This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 9. And this story here is such an important story uh, for those who are dealing with troubles in their life. It's such an important story for uh, those who maybe even have some questions about things that they're going through. Uh, this story really is one that answers a lot of those uh, deep kind of questions about why do bad things happen to good people or why am I going through this type of thing or why am I dealing in this way? And this story really helps us uh, get an understanding of what God is doing in us and through us and what he has designed us to do. Uh, you have to remember as we've I've been kind of talking in the last couple of weeks that uh, when you think about who we were made to be, we were not created to live in sin. That's not what our purpose was. We were made to live in a perfect place called Eden, and it was beautiful and wonderful. And there was the, we were glorifying, we were intended to glorify God. But yet when sin came into the earth and when problems came, when all of the darkness and the evil that came upon with sin, it left us in a state where God's work still needs to happen on the earth, but it is often a struggle against through the turmoil of sin. And the story that we're going to read here today is about a man who was born blind from birth. And he has a condition that uh, it's important to understand that the Bible says it came from birth. And it's also important to recognize, as we're going to see here today, is that in the cultural context of uh, this story, people uh, thought that sin, uh, or that disease rather, was related to sin. They thought, and there is a correlation there, but they thought it was a direct correlation, so to speak. They thought that because he was blind, they automatically assumed that it was because of his parents or his father's sin. And in many traditions, even today, that is still a prevalent thought. But Jesus really debunks that in this, what he's about to say here today, and talks about how God intends to use what seems like a terrible disease to live with all of his life, something that happened, and we don't know why, but we just know from birth he was that way, and so were many others that Jesus walked through the streets of Jerusalem, that God had a purpose through all of that. And a lot of times people ask questions, uh, why do I have this thing, or why did God uh, do this to me? Even recently, I heard someone say that. Well, why is God doing this to me? Why is God punishing me this way? And oh, what a terrible thing to think about oneself in relation to who God is. Because as you're going to see, Jesus had a greater plan. And Jesus is not out to punish anybody. As a matter of fact, he's the opposite. He wants you to come to know him and experience his power. And God is so wonderful and so great and so awesome that he can take the tragedy of sin and use it so that people come to know him. And if that's not a reversal of things, I don't know what is, but that surely is. And so we read this story here in John chapter 9. The Bible says that Jesus was walking alongside of him. And he saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. And you have to understand that what is about to happen, and we're not going to read all of that today, but this is a very, uh, take a moment when you get a chance sometime and read John 8, 9, and 10 all together. And it's really just this one big story that is intended to be all together, not just this one chapter. John strategically places John chapter 9 in the middle of 8 and 10 because of the dealings of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, that although Jesus is addressing a physical blindness, God is going to use this to demonstrate how the uh, Pharisees have a spiritual blindness. And so they say, Jesus answered, and he says, and this is the, the statement of truth, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. And we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then Jesus does this unusual thing. He spits in the ground and he takes the mud and he rubs it on his eyes. And he tells him to go to the pool and wash his eyes. And as he did that, he was, his eyes were opened and he could see again. What a wonderful miracle that happened in this story. And then this story takes an interesting turn because we see Jesus present in this miracle and we see Jesus heal and open his eyes. And then for the rest of the chapter, Jesus is kind of absent from the story. And the center of attention is this man. And he begins to be questioned by people. He begins to be questioned, most importantly, by the Pharisees that begin to ask him all about what had happened to him as to try to pin some type of blame on him. And basically the man says, hey, I don't know what your problem is. My, I was blind and now I can see his name was Jesus. He put mud on my eyes and it is what it is, is basically what he says. He says, I don't know what your problem is. I can see now. And he really just tells them, as a matter of fact, and the Pharisees, you know how they do. They just kind of grumble, complain, oh, Jesus, Jesus did that, that. And they kind of get upset about it. But then Jesus eventually steps back into the picture. But we see this wonderful miracle happen here that Jesus says, this was intended so that God's work might be revealed in him, in him. The thing that is interesting about this story to me is that it says so that God's works might be revealed in him. But really, we see that his work was not just revealed inside of him. It was through him because all of the people around him begin to see the wonderful power of Jesus at work and God's redemptive plan working through this man. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the work of God revealed, the work of God revealed. And this is true about all of us here today, is that there is a work that God wants to do through your life. And there is a work that God has designed you to do through your life. And it could be that the thing that seems like it has been a terrible turmoil all of your life has been intended to be so that God's works might be revealed in you. I want to read you this other verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 as we talk about this story and bring it into big picture. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him this encouraging word about the gift of God. He says, for this reason, 
I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Many translations also say, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. And we're talking this morning about the work of God, the gift of God that is laying inside of all of us here today, that you were created to live out a plan that God specifically designed you to do, that God looked at you. He took the, the fingerprints that were made for you and the exact number of hairs that were on your head and has a work that he was designing you to do that should be revealed through you. And it is interesting to see here that this man had gone all of these years and it had not yet been revealed. And it shows us that when God has a plan for our lives, that it is not always apparent at first. That sometimes it is a growing process. If sometimes if God were to just show us everything that he had planned for our lives, we would probably either get afraid and run away or get proud and blow up in our minds. And that's not what God intended for us. But God has a work that he wants to reveal through us so that it glorifies God. And so the big question of today is, what is the work that God wants to do through me? What is the work that God wants to do through me? How is God's work ought to be revealed in me? How is what God has designed me to do in all of my history and all the things that I've been through? How is God going to use that and use my story so that people can understand his plan for my life or understand his glory for their lives? And a few things that we see, and I want you to just kind of keep that verse in 2 Timothy in your mind for a few moments today, is that this man was born blind. In all of his life, he was known as the man that was born blind. And everybody had always thought of this man. And always, every time they saw him, he was the man that was born blind. And what was seemingly his pain eventually became his purpose. And that is how God loves to work. That God takes things that the enemy designed us to destroy us, designed to inhibit us, designed to keep us boxed in, and designed it to do the extraordinary through it so that it glorifies God through our lives. His pain was God's purpose. All the things that people said about this man born blind, boy, there he is again just sitting there begging for money. There he is. All the things that people walked by him and said, boy, I wonder who sinned. Did he sin or did his parents sin? All the things that people assumed about him. And the wonderful thing that Jesus does is Jesus takes what the world makes a mockery out of it. And he uses it for his glory. And that's what the Bible tells us, right? That the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. It's, 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 it doesn't even make sense. And God takes the foolish things of the, the world to confound the wise. And this is exactly what God was doing through here. That he was taking what was essentially a problem and he was using it for his purpose. 
And it makes us ask the question in our life is what is in my life that has seemingly been a struggle for me, a point of suffering, a point of pain, a point of contention that God is wanting to bring his glory to show through it. That God has not designed us to live in just the box and just kind of become couch potatoes through life. That's not what God designed us to do. That God created us, crafted us. If we truly believe that God is creator and that he designed designed us in all the way that he did, then we must also believe that he truly designed us with a spiritual purpose. And it doesn't matter your background or your socioeconomic history. None of that matters to the Lord. To the Lord, what matters is, are we available so that God's works might be revealed through us? Are we available so that the people might see that God wants to bring people to his knowledge through the point of pain in my life? And if you take a look through the New Testament and you just read through some of the authors, the apostles, and you read through their stories, you're going to see that over and over again, they were a people of pain that learned that they had a purpose. They were a people that endured great suffering, but learned that their suffering was not in vain. It had great purpose. They were a people that learned we've been beaten, we've been stricken, but God has a great plan for my life. And it's interesting how the the tables have turned in today's culture where the apostles assumed we are glad to be counted suffering for the name of the Lord Jesus and God is going to use it for his glory but immediately when any of us experience suffering today we automatically assume oh no why is God punishing me why is God mad at me but listen his pain was God's purpose working through his life and I just want to encourage you this morning that what is the work of God that he's trying to do through your situation today? What's the thing that he's trying to do through that pain that you're going through? The, the thing that just seems like a thorn in your flesh and you keep coming back to and you keep coming back to. How is God trying to reveal his glory in you to show others about his goodness? What is God trying to work through you in this? We see also as well, the next thing is he says that the work of God might be revealed in him. And we see that what would begin to happen was this gift that God took what was a seemingly and this miracle that was a gift. God took and gave it to him. The gift of healing, the gift of a miracle before his eyes, signs and wonders so that people might believe it was a gift given to this man. And now this man was entrusted with a gift. And now the question was, what are you going to do with this gift? And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus is seemingly absent from this story because it gives this man a chance without Jesus being there to testify about what God had done through his life. It gives him a gift, a moment rather, to take the gift that he had been given, the gift of healing, and glorify God with it. And when he was asked questions, all he began to say was point people back to Jesus. And the thing that is, uh, that is interesting about this story is that he really does have a true sense of innocence. He doesn't really know much about Jesus. He's just telling based upon what he has seen thus far. And he's saying, here's what Jesus did. I don't know what about him much, but he opened my eyes. I was blind. Now I can see you guys are asking me questions. I'm just telling you what I experienced. And it gave him a chance to glorify God with his gift. And so many people in the world are so many that we see through scripture. God gives us talents. God can trust something to us. And we're, when we stand before Jesus, the question is going to be, what did we do to influence others with the gift that God gave us? All of us. 
not just pastors, not just preachers, not just the choir. Every person is going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account for how did we use what God gave us to bring glory to him? How did we use the gifting and the talents and the treasures and all the things that God had entrusted us to glorify him? And this man took the gift of healing to bring these hard Pharisees to a place of questioning, to a place where really, if you read the story, his parents would not even accept him. His parents kind of denied him, but yet he still kept talking about the goodness of Jesus. How am I using my gift to bring glory to God? The question is, is what is the work that God wants to do through me? What is the work God wants to do through your situation, through the pain that you're enduring, through the, the life that you've been given and the talents that you've been entrusted? What is it that God wants to do through you? So now we come back to that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We all agree here today. We've been given a gift and we have a work that God wants to do through us. He has a talent. He has a plan. He has a purpose that he wants to do through us. It's bigger than us. It's greater than us. And thank God it's greater than us, right? And Jesus said, or Paul says to Timothy, so fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He goes on to say that do not be ashamed then of this testimony about our Lord or me of his prisoner, but join with me and the suffering for the gospel in the power of God and who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We have a gift in us. We have a plan. God wants to work it out. But Paul tells Timothy, here's something interesting is that that gift, can, something can happen to that gift. And it happens to a lot of believers. That the plan and the works that God wants to reveal through us, it can go to a place of dormancy. Where it gets entrusted to us, but it lays dormant. And so he tells him to fan into flame. When I was living in Paraguay for, for several months, uh, we would often build fires. That was just a thing that we, we did there as we had outside time that would stay warm when it got cold in the winter. Uh, and I learned a lot about building a fire. I learned that, uh, first off, you can't have wood that is wet, right? It's not going to work. It's going to put it out. I also learned that uh, probably don't use too much gasoline. That's dangerous. And thirdly, I learned that when you need to increase the flame, blow on it, fan it, put a wind on it. And somehow, if you have the right kindling and you have the right wood, it'll take off. And this is the picture that I learned is that every time that I would get frustrated and there I was building a fire and trying to figure out why isn't the world, the, the wood is right, but why isn't it? I'm lighting the flame, but it's just not... It's not getting there to ignite, ignite the rest. It's, it's got the one little stick that I knew was going to catch on fire, but the rest isn't. And I get frustrated and frustrated, and I keep coming back to it over and over again. And then that wonderful moment where you have something, and you're fanning it, a piece of cardboard or something, and it's just going and going and going, and all of a sudden it catches. 
Ah, we've got a fire now. Put some more wood on it. And it's going to be great, right? And everybody had a fire to enjoy. And it's a picture of a spiritual life that there are things that get put on the flame, the gift, the gift. Remember, it's light in darkness. It's the gift you've been given. And whether it's blindness like that man experienced or whether it's some other situation, a tragedy, or whether it's just a thing that you're having to deal with every day in your life, whatever it is, there is always something that is wrestling to try to snuff the flame, to snuff the gift. If, if the enemy can just shut the light out, then darkness can keep going. But light, remember, cuts through the darkness. And so Paul's word to Timothy was, you've been serving here in Ephesus. You've been laboring for the Lord. You've been doing great things. And I know it has not been easy. I know you've got some troubles around you. You've got some people who are causing problems. You've got some people, Paul goes on to talk about, who have departed from the faith. They're preaching false doctrines. It is just a lot to manage. You're not just pastoring a church, but you're dealing with outside pressures. You're dealing with all of these things. He had already told him, fight the good fight of the faith. He already saw, one time Timothy was running strong for the Lord. The work of God was permeating through his life, but he brings Timothy back to the beginning. Watch what Paul did. And he tells them, remember Lois? Remember your grandmother? How she prayed for you? The faith that was in her? Look back to that. Remember Eunice, your mother? Remember her? Look back to that. And how they imparted into you the gift of faith and trusting God that no matter what, God is able. And rekindle that flame. Fan it into flame. Go back to those days and take that faith that they taught you about and imparted to you and that I told you about, Timothy, and fan it into flame. Because remember, don't get afraid. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Don't back down. God didn't call us to be ashamed. But he gave us a spirit of power. A spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline that says, even when I want to quit, I'm not going to quit because God is helping me to keep going. And fan into flame that gift inside of you. Breathe, let the Holy Spirit breathe on it. And when you fan it into flame, the wonderful thing is, is that when it catches where it's supposed to be, it will ignite and spread as God has intended it to be. And it will glorify God. And it's the truth for all of us here today is that God has a gift. Every person in this room today, just talk to yourself for a moment. I have a gift in me, but it's not from me. It's from the Lord. And what does God want to do with that gift? He wants to fan it into flame. You know what I'm just so convinced is that the world has yet to see a church with all of its gifts fanned into flame. But what if the world did see a church with all of its gifts fanned into flame. What a bonfire that would be. What a forest fire that would be. And as Paul goes on to later say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that we have this treasure in jars of clay so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power Remember here today, this extraordinary power, the work that God wants to reveal through us, that it does not belong to us, but belongs to God. And yes, we're afflicted in every way. We're beat around in every side. But we are going to make known that we are living, are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us 
but life is in you. And that's the work of God, is that we are crucifying the flesh, but the work of God is being revealed to the world. It is this treasure, Paul calls it. He calls it a gift. He calls it a treasure. He's reminding the churches over and over again, whether it's Ephesus, whether it's Corinth, is that there is something that is laid inside of you. And yes, it is difficult. Yes, it's hard at times, but that gift is light and it gives knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And by fanning into flame and by allowing people to see the wonderful power at work through your life, like that blind man did, you will help people come to understand the power of Jesus. And remember, Paul says about that power, it's the power of God to salvation. It's the work of God revealed through me. What's the work that God wants to do through your life? What's the gift that he's imparted to you that he wants to breathe on and fan into flame and help others know and experience his goodness? Extraordinary power as the musicians come. What is it that God is calling you in your life to do? What is God wanting to show through the pain, through the things that you have discounted and thought, oh, that's, that's nothing, that's meaningless, leave it behind. No, God is saying, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Those that love him. The thing that God is just asking for is a love for him. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man. Young man, young woman, you have a plan for your, God has a plan for your life. You have a plan for your life, but God has a plan for your life. All of us here today, what's the work that God wants to reveal through us? What's he trying to do? What's he trying to make of this thing that you're going through? Can I encourage you today, Christian, you've been serving for many years, and that gift has just kind of smoldered into a, just a, a simple, simple, simple ash fan into flame today so that the work of God might be revealed through you. Lord, this morning, we just ask you today, breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Breathe on us today, Lord. Lord, as I look across this congregation today, I see beautiful people that you have made in your image and your likeness that you have designed with a plan that oh, how the world has maybe said things, made judgments, assumptions, whatever it might be. But Lord, how you desire to take that work and reveal to the world your glory. So Lord, today we pray this morning that the works of God might be revealed through us, Jesus. Lord, we don't want the world to see us. They've seen us for a long time. But Lord, today may they see Jesus working through us. Lord, may every person here today, may it come deep inside of our hearts today. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, but neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. Lord, we give ourselves to you today, Lord. We surrender to you this morning, Jesus. Lord, let your work be revealed, Lord. Lord, as this happens, Lord, maybe we'll see our coworker come to know you, Jesus. 
Maybe we'll see our family member come to experience your love, Lord. Whatever it might be, Lord. Jesus, we just pray today, God. Oh, we want to see the work of God revealed, Lord. I've seen, I've been waiting for it. It's yet to be revealed. But Lord, reveal to us the work of God in us, Lord, today. Make it plain to us. Open our eyes so that we might see this morning. Lord, we thank you today. If you're able, would you stand this morning? As the choir comes. Any prayer this morning? Can we pray for you today? Would you give us the privilege of praying for you this morning? We want to stand with you, whatever you're going through today. And we're going to pray that God would just help the work of God, that the glory of God might be revealed through you. We're not going to let the enemy get any credit. We're going to let God get all the glory. But we want to pray that God would just be glorified, that he would take the gifting that's inside of you and fan it into flame. Breathe afresh on it. Breathe life on it. Oh, God, to this, let it be so this morning. That's you. Would you come this morning? Come this morning. We want to pray for you today. As a choir sings, can we give ourselves to the